We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRungood.com. All of the stats, tools, and info that I'll be referencing on this podcast can be found over at rickrungood.com. Now is an incredible time to sign up. The U.S. Open at LACC, right around the corner. Going to be here before we know it. Another golf course I have some intimate knowledge of. Going to start diving into some LACC stuff as early as next week. Ton of, ton of content coming up for that. At least two or three extra podcasts. Uh, all of my premium written work as well will be on the website. So sign up today using promo code Andy. That is the important part if you want to help me out. Access to me for questions in the Slack channel, lineup generator, ownership projections, absolutely everything you need. It's a great community to be a part of, and we would love to have you on the team. All right, coming up on this podcast, a full and thorough breakdown of Mirfield Village, really good golf course, uh, why it's different than a bunch of the other golf courses that it usually gets compared to. And I will name, uh, just like I did last week for the PGA, I have four or five guys that I want to talk about. Two or three of them will absolutely be outright bets for me. Um, I have your winner. It's a little bit. Uh, more of a ballsy call in terms of what I believe his outright odds will be than uh, predicting Rory last week. Uh, and then I've got maybe two or three of them are a little bit more, I don't know if I'd say under the radar, but DFS plays that I'm more confident in will be under-owned and great DraftKings options than maybe their ability to actually win the tournament. Uh, so without further ado, let's talk a little bit more about the golf course. Uh, this tournament, I guess we'll start there, uh, has been hosted at Mirfield Village since the course opened in 1974. Uh, Nicholas has talked about this a lot. He basically wanted to create his own version of the Masters in his home state of Ohio. Um, he designed the course with Augusta in mind. Uh, the whole tournament was inspired by a lot of the traditions that the Masters has as well. It's got the yearly induction ceremony honoring past golfers. Get a plaque near the clubhouse. Um, and similar to the Masters, it's a smaller tournament. 
uh, one of only five tournaments on the PGA Tour that has an invitational status. So there's only 120 players in the field compared to the normal of around 156. And it generally has a very strong field and a great history of past champions, uh, which is very much the case this year because it is another elevated event. This is the one elevated event in between the the PGA and the U.S. Open. Uh, and we've got, you know, pretty much all of the non-live guys, the best PGA Tour players are all here, except Finau, I don't think, is in the field. It must be This must be the one that Finau is skipping. Uh, no Zalatoris, obviously, but you've got Rom, Scheffler, Rory, Cantlay, Morikawa, Hovland, JT, Spieth, you know, Sungjae, Hatton, Cameron Young, Fitzpatrick, um, all the big ones. Uh, the list goes on. So uh, this cor- this golf course, it's changed a lot. Um, it changed a lot prior to the 2021 tournament. Uh, 150 yards were added. So it's now... Over the last two years, it's played as a par 72 measuring over 7,500 yards on the scorecard. It's pretty much got brand new greens as well. Bent grass fairways, four-inch Kentucky bluegrass rough with ryegrass and fescue. Very similar agronomy to what we saw at Oak Hill. There is a one key difference between this golf course and Oak Hill, which I'll talk about a little bit more as we dive into some of the stats, uh, but very similar agronomy. The greens measure 5,000 square feet on average with bent grass and run at 11 or 12 on the stamp. Some of the fastest, purest, best reviewed greens on tour. Uh, water comes into play on 11 holes. And one thing that I would say about Jack Nicholas that I think is pretty consistent throughout his work actually two things i'll say about him uh number one he tends to design golf courses that primarily favor a fader of the golf ball because he primarily played a fade and so a lot of the ways that he looks at and designs golf holes visually end up attracting players that play a bit of a fade not a huge shock to see you know a colin morikawa won this tournament before or technically it was the work day but won on this golf course before and then the other really more prominent staple of nicholas golf courses um the hole tends to get more challenging the closer you get to the hole so uh you know many of his golf courses are pretty wide off the tee but the approach shots are generally a lot more challenging and his green complex usually have a ton of slope as well very, very well bunkered greens usually. Um, so his design philosophy really embodies the idea of a second shot golf course, which is what I've always thought of Mirfield Village to be, like a true second shot golf course with wider fairways, but really, really difficult approach shots. I've kind of rethought this golf course post-renovation once I've got more data, I do think there is a key difference and distinction about this golf course now um, 
compared to some other Nicholas golf courses compared to some other, you know, truly second shot golf courses on the PGA tour. Um, again, which I'll talk about very soon, but Nicholas is, you know, he's designed a ton of golf courses that we're familiar with in terms of ones that we've seen men's professional golf competition on from Glen Abbey to Montreux to old Greenwood, PGA national PGA West Sherwood out in LA, um, host of the Zozo also won by Patrick Cantlay, two-time champion at Memorial, the concession also won by Colin Morikawa champion at, uh, Muirfield village as well. Um, and Valhalla, which is going to host the, which hosted the 2014 PGA Championship, and will host the PGA Championship next year. Um, I actually, in terms of comp courses, I I like Valhalla the most out of these. Glen Abbey isn't terrible either in terms of the agronomy, but it's a lot easier. But they basically had this big renovation in 2021, which was an essentially an attempt to make the course a lot harder after he saw Patrick Cantlay shoot 20 under here in 2019. Uh, this is what Jack said. Um, Far too many tournaments have eliminated the rough and firmness of greens, and that is just not my idea of what the game of golf should be. So I'm going to stick with my old-fashioned beliefs about how the game of golf should be played and the way golf courses should be set up. The whole gamut of all shots is what the game of golf is all about. The game should challenge every facet of every club in the back. So he added over 150 yards in length. A lot of the length was added to the par fives, which were kind of getting beaten up. So all the par fives got longer, and so did the par four first hole, which now plays as you know one of the most challenging opening holes on the PGA Tour. The greens were reconstructed with new bent grass. Uh, they all now feature a sub-air system. Some of the fairways got pinched a little bit more. That is a key one that we'll get back to. And pretty much all of the greens except the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 17th are brand new. Fairway bunkers got pushed back on 1, 15, and 17 to basically you know, account for players hitting it longer and the advances in modern technology. Um, and I think for the most part, the renovation was largely able to accomplish what Jack was looking for. Last year, Muirfield Village played as the seventh most difficult course on tour, and the par fives, which he thought were getting too easy, played overall as the fifth hardest set of par fives on tour last year. Um, The big thing that I would say, and this goes back to the key distinction with, you know, second shot golf courses as it pertains to Jack Nicklaus, I would say that the course did get harder off the tee. Um, I used to think of Muirfield as really an irons and short game course, like a lot of Nicholas courses. Uh, But with the pinching of some of the fairways and the repositioning of the bunkers, I think that you've got to be a really, really good total driver of the ball uh, now here too. And I'll talk about this a little bit more because I have some numbers to back up why I feel this way. Um, but one thing I talk about a lot, um, usually this always comes up whenever I talk to Joseph Almanian. and we'll talk about this a lot more when we talk LACC next week together, but the consequence of misses, right? 
And the thing about Muirfield Village that differentiates itself from a Bay Hill or a Torrey Pines um, or an Oak Hill, for that matter, is that the delta of consequence between a small miss and a big miss is a lot greater at Muirfield Village than it is at Oak Hill, Torrey Pines, Bay Hill, um, which makes this, honestly, in my opinion, a far more strategic golf course off the tee, a far more interesting golf course off the tee, and a golf course where accuracy, in my opinion, is actually more important and higher valued um, and goes a lot farther at a course like this than a course like the three that I just mentioned. Um, I think that accurate drivers of the golf ball get rewarded at a golf course like Muirfield Village far more than they get rewarded at a golf course with more narrow fairways. I know. I will explain why. Um, But this was the first time that Muirfield Village has ranked inside the top 10 in strokes gain off the tee difficulty since the renovation. The past two years since the renovation, actually. It went from being a kind of middle of the road, middle of the pack course in terms of off the tee difficulty to one of the most difficult uh, courses to gain strokes on off the tee on the PGA Tour. So let's talk a little bit about why that is. So last year, it ranked eighth out of 38 courses in off the tee difficulty. Um, And, you know, like I said, it was middle of the pack for a while, but the driving accuracy here is greater than the tour average, right? So the fairways are on the wider side. They're not massive. They're not Kapalua-esque, but they're, you definitely have wider fairways than you do at a lot of those Torrey Pineses, Bay Hills, Oak Hills, right? Um, but the penalty for missing them is the largest on tour. Muirfield Village last year ranked as the number one golf course in missed fairway penalty. And that's a lot of the thing that I talked about at Oak Hill and I talk about at Torrey Pines a lot is that golf courses with super, super narrow fairways that have a lot of wide open spaces as it relates to the rough create a situation where not even the most accurate drivers of the ball are rewarded because the fairways are so narrow and the fact that they can keep their drives in we'll say you know a 10 to 15 yard radius of the fairway does not really help them at all because a guy like Bryson or Rory can show up to Oak Hill have tons of room off the tee miss their drive 20 30 yards off the fairway and have the same consequence of that miss as maybe Colin Morikawa missing his drive two yards off the fairway. The rough is the same length, and there's not enough trees to obstruct the drive that's 20 yards off the fairway. In fact, sometimes, we saw this a couple times, I remember this happened with Brooks on, I want to say, I can't remember which hole it was on the back nine, um, or it might have been nine, uh, Brooks hit his worst drive 
of the day. Um, and he missed the fairway by a good 15, 20 yards. And he was in a trampled down area. Um, and he had a clear shot to the green, right? And, and you know, at Oak Hill, there were maybe one or two or three holes. Six comes to mind. Seven comes to mind. Where there was a true consequence of a big mess, right? They had taken out so many trees. I mean, you know, go back and watch the 2013 PGA Championship versus the 2023 PGA Championship. How many more punch-outs from trees did you see in 2013 compared to 2023? There were barely any times guys were having to punch out from trees, they're just, there were, you know, there weren't enough trees anymore, right? And the difference at a place like Muirfield Village is, is that you have these dense wooded areas that are, you know, not right bordering the fairway, but there's a little, usually a little bit of an area of rough. And then there's a really dense area of trees where it's a potential penalty stroke. Right. And so those big misses that you were seeing Rory get off the hook at at Oak Hill, um, I, I he he's in far more trouble at Muirfield Village, far more trouble. And the fact that a guy like Colin Morikawa or Corey Connors or honestly, even like John Rahm, really accurate driver of the ball for how long he is. Hovland, really accurate driver of the ball for how long he is. Scheffler, really accurate driver of the ball for how long he is. Those guys are going to be rewarded for their accuracy, for their length and accuracy, even more so than they were at Torrey Pines, Bay Hill, or Oak Hill. Because their, the, their ability to keep the ball in a small radius between the fairway. And even if they miss a little bit, their misses may not be as wide as maybe a guy who's really spraying it. Like Rory really sprays it. Uh, Cameron Young really sprays it. Sahith Thagala really sprays it. Cameron Davis really sprays it. Those are all guys that are going to find themselves in far more trouble at Muirfield village than they are, at any of those golf courses that I previously mentioned. So I think what's interesting about Muirfield Village is that it often gets grouped into these golf courses like Torrey Pines, like Bay Hill, like Oak Hill, when it's actually really different strategically. And it actually really favors a different skill set, in my opinion. Um and you can actually see that if you read between the lines with the champions, you know, because it's such a long golf course and it has the similar length as a Torrey Pines and a Bay Hill, people think that it's a bombers track and people even get more thrown off their set because there's still a ton of people that think that wider fairways um, are better for bombers when the reality of the situation is that I hope people realize now by listening to my podcast that it's actually narrow fairways that are better for bombers and what is surrounding the fairway and what is surrounding the fairway at one yard versus 20 yards is really what determines whether a golf course is good for accurate drivers of the ball or long drivers of the ball. And Muirfield Village, to me, 
is far more about keeping the ball in play off the tee and rewards accuracy far more than it does distance. You look at a statistic like good drive percentage, which I'm really heavy on this week. You know, the year that Cantlay won, he lapsed the field in good drive percentage. He kept the ball in play off the tee, and what do you know? That created a huge correlation with his ability to hit greens in regulation. The correlation between hitting the fairway and hitting greens in regulation at Muirfield Village is one of the strongest that you're going to see all year on tour because, like I said, the consequence of misses is penalized so much more at this golf course from being in the rough, not just because the rough is thick, but because if you really miss, if you miss by 10 or 15 or 20 yards, you're potentially in the woods and taking a penalty stroke like we saw with Bryson a couple of years ago when he took like an 11 on a hole. Um, but there's a direct cause and effect here, a more obvious cause and effect here from playing from the fairway and how that relates to players' ability to hit greens, then there are, you know, at far, you know, far more than other courses. You saw Rory, he hit, you know, two of 14 fairways in round one at Oak Hill, and he still was a slight gainer off the tee because that shows that whether you hit the fairway at Oak Hill was so irrelevant compared to, um, your ability to gain strokes off the tee at a golf course like Oak Hill because it was so distance dependent in terms of how a player gains strokes off the tee. Um, that's not really the case at Mirafold Village. I mean, you gain strokes off the tee more so with accurate driving than you do with length. And, you know, you look at last year too, every single player in the top 10, uh, gained relative to the field in good drive percentage. Billy Horschel ranked fifth in good drive percentage. Neiman, who finished third in the tournament, led the field in good drive percentage. Um, and you look at the two years since the renovation, 14 of the top 15 players in the field gained strokes off the tee. So, you know, I think a mistake that, and and also just to give more credence to my point about how distance is going to throw people off the scent on a golf course like this because, you know, the scorecard is so imposing and, you know, it gets compared to Augusta, which is, in my opinion, a very distance-heavy golf course, gets compared to Torrey and Bay Hill and Riviera and all courses like that where I actually believe distance is far more important um, than at this course where I think accuracy is more important. Um, but you look at, you know, Two years ago, the Cantlay year, eight of the top 15 on on the leaderboard lost to the field in driving distance. Over half of the top 15 lost to the field in driving distance. And you look at the top 15 on the leaderboard last year, and it's Billy Horschel, Morikawa, Brandon Grace, Patrick Reed, Jimmy Walker, Siwoo Kim, Kevin Streelman, Alex Noren, Bo Hogue, uh, Denny McCarthy, Daniel Berger, all these guys that are finishing top 15 the last two years, it's not exactly a murderer's row in terms of distance. So I think the one takeaway that I would say is that, yes, you know, in theory, this is still a second shot golf course because the greens are very small and we'll talk about approach in a second. Long iron play is incredibly, incredibly important here. But I think one way where I might be able to differentiate myself from what 
you know, some of the narratives are. I think being able to keep the ball in play off the tee is really important here. I really do. Um, I, I just, you look at the numbers with how guys have had success, and it's just a lot of being able to drive the ball consistently in the fairway. Um, and that has been accentuated further by this renovation. It, you know, it's still a big, big, big time long iron course too, especially with the added length of the par fives. You're getting now with the added length of the par fives, 16% of approach shots that are coming from like the 250 yard range last year. Over 30% of approach shots are coming from 200 yards plus. Another 21% coming from 175 to 200 yards. So, you know, long irons, of course, really, really important here. The greens and reg- those are the proximity buckets that you want to focus on. Greens and regulation percentage here, last year, 59%. Sub 60% greens and regulation percentage. Uh, third toughest greens to hit on the PGA Tour last year. And what do you know? Cantlay absolutely crushed the field in greens and regulation. And 23 out of the top 25 on on that leaderboard gained to the field in, uh, in greens and regulation too. And you look at the correlation between good drive percentage and greens and regulation, and it's, it's more highly correlated um, than you know, pretty much any other golf course I've seen in quite some time. So they go hand in hand. Uh, You do not want to be playing from the rough on this golf course. And I will happily, happily sacrifice length for uh, playing from the fairway and being able to be a very consistent long iron player. And the final piece, um, you know, this is a true, true, true tee to green test. I I think putting is very devalued here and putting is very easy. And this is one of my, the greens are very, very true here. And this is one of my lowest putting weights that I have all season. Um, because I am so heavy on, you know, being able to keep the ball in play off the tee, long arm play and short game, right? This is a total tee to green test where you want all of those three aspects firing at the same time. You look at last year, almost 20% of strokes gained at Muirfield Village came around the green. I mean, that is well, well, well above the tour average of 14.5%. So anytime you have a golf course with a sub 60% greens and regulation percentage, you know, Muirfield Village is one of the most short game intensive courses on the PGA Tour, both in degree of difficulty and in sheer volume. Last year, it ranked fifth in around the green difficulty. And each of the last 10 years, it is ranked inside the top six most difficult courses in around the green difficulty. It ranked 12th in around the green difficulty from the fairway, third in around the green difficulty from the rough, and seventh in around the green difficulty from the bunkers. Um, You know, you look at the last two leaderboards, you have 30 of the top 36 gaining strokes around the green. You put that in context with even last week at colonial 18 of the top 36 gain around the green. Uh, Billy Horschel, I mean, was an absolute wizard with around the green last year. He gained over five strokes around the green and route to his victory. And this golf course has a lot of bunkers, a lot of very deep 
bunkers, uh, a lot of difficult bunkers. You're going to want to look at sand saves this week. Um, I, I actually think there's still cases where you'd probably rather be in a bunker here than you would in the thick rough around the green. It's just really hard to judge how your ball is going to come out. And that, you know, explains why dating back to basically 2015, this course has essentially been one of the hardest courses around the green on the PGA tour to get up and down from. Um, But those three things are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. And I have a lot smaller weight on putting this week. You look at the around the, uh, the strokes gain difficulties and the strokes gain percentages and 31% of strokes at Mirfield village came putting, which is well below the tour average of 35.5. So it's a very, you know, less putting intensive golf course. And, uh, it ranked 26 out of 38 courses in putting difficulty. You look at off the tee approach and around the green and it's top eight in all three of those, whereas putting difficulty is the 12th easiest on tour. Um, so I do think this is a, a week where some of just like at Augusta, sometimes when the greens are incredibly true, it can level the playing field with, with putting sometimes. And, you know, you've seen guys like Morikawa and Hideki have tons of success here. Um, 30, it's 37th out of 38 courses and putting inside five feet. Um, so these greens are just incredibly true. And you get some of those quotes too. Duffner was talking about it. He thinks they're probably the best greens that they play all year. And from the standpoint of consistency of speed from green to green, when I step on the seventh green, I feel like it's the same speed as the 14th and 17th. And then also just the consistency of the role. You feel like you get a really pure role. If you started on your line and your read is right, you're probably going to hole a lot of putts. Um, when you have Jason Duffner, one of the worst putters, uh, talking about that, about how easy it is to putt here, probably a telltale sign that this is a golf course where you don't want to focus too much on putting, at least relative to how much you po- focus on around the green, off the tee, and approach play. Um, what else? Par 5 scoring, another ancillary stat that I would say is absolutely worth looking at. You look at the correlation between guys who have really taken advantage of par fives and their position on the leaderboard. You have 23 of the top 25 players on the 2021 leaderboard gained relative to the field in par five scoring. And then last year, you get Scheffler leads the field in par five scoring, finishes third in the tournament. Morikawa comes next in par five scoring. He finishes second in the tournament. Lowry finishes third in par five scoring. He comes six. Neiman leads the field in par five, uh, leads the field in par five scoring the next year, finishes third. Sal Torres, second in par five scoring, finishes fifth. Cantlay, third in par, par five scoring, finishes third. Horschel, fifth in par five scoring and wins. Um, and then, you know, I would say that experience at this golf course matters. I think Hideki won in his first appearance here in like 2014. But other than that, um, this has been one of the most highly correlated golf courses when it comes to course history. Um, I think it has 
the sixth highest correlation of course history to success behind Augusta, Bay Hill, Harbortown, TPC Scottsdale, and Wileye. Um, so I do think that experience matters at this golf course a lot. I think that in terms of comp courses, uh, you probably want to stay away or proceed with caution with some of the golf courses that I mentioned, the Quail Hollows and Bay Hills and Torrey Pines and Rivieras that I've talked about before. I think that those are very worthy in the sense of long iron play and short game and less putting intensive. Um, but I do think that this is a golf course where the consequence of big misses really, really matters. And those golf courses don't have that aspect to them. Um, even Augusta too, which I think Augusta has trended towards a golf course where distance really, really matters. Um, and yes, Augusta was a huge inspiration to Jack during the design process, especially with the greens. And yes, approach play, long iron play, short game, par five scoring, all that stuff is really essential at both courses. Ton of crossover on the leaderboards too. Uh, but again, I, I just think since the renovation, especially Muirfield has become way more challenging of a driving course. And there's a real penalty here for missing the fairway and, you know, being in that four inch rough and particularly a, a wide miss. Um, so, I plugged all this stuff together in the model. Um, and we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Here's who it shot out. Actually, before we do the model and we talk about some players, let's take a quick break. All right, so we plugged all of this in together, and uh, here's who we shot out. Pretty, uh, pretty chalk at the top in terms of the players that uh, came in in the top 10. No real massive surprises for me. Um, 
the num- well, I guess you could say a little bit in terms of the very top. But the number one player that I had was Xander. Uh, I think it's a pretty perfect golf course for Xander Shoffley. Uh, so Xander, number one. John Rahm, number two. Rory, number three. Even though I have some concerns about Rory on this golf course, his body of work and larger statistical profile is still... I mean, if he can keep the ball on the planet, he's still obviously live as hell on this golf course, but he will not be a bet for me this week. Can't do that to myself emotionally. I hope he wins. I've I've no FOMO if I don't bet him and he wins. But I would rather I would rather have Rory kind of suck again and just let that narrative run rampant at LACC that that he's got nothing. Um, and then we'll see what happens over there, which again, I think is a bit more problematic of a golf course for him than Oak Hill was. And, and I think that for the reasons why I have some concerns about Rory at Mirfield village is actually very similar to the reasons why I would have some concerns about Rory at LACC, um, as well as a player like Bryson and, you know, some of the other guys that we'll get to, but, uh, four is Colin Morikawa. God, it feels like the guy, I love this golf course for Morikawa. Obviously, he's won here before. Um, It just feels like he is not at a stage where he can make enough putts to truly contend with the best players in the world. And he is not, although the irons are really good, he is still not of an elite enough ball striker to do what Scotty Scheffler is doing right now, which is essentially being, in my opinion, a top three player in the world while having a really bad putting season, a really, really bad putting season. Um, uh, Cantlay is five. I've got nothing bad to say about Cantlay on this golf course. The way that he is driving the ball right now, um, he quietly hit the ball immaculately at Oak Hill again. You're not going to get any discount on him because he has won here twice. Uh, but I would rather bet Cantlay more than Rom or Rory this week, actually, or Scheffler. I would, if you're asking me those four, and I think those four will be the top four on the odds board, if I'm going to bet one of them, I'd rather bet Cantlay this week than Chef or Rom or Rory. Mm, I just he he's due to pick off another big one. Hovland is seven. Uh, he might be, you know, a really great golf course for Hovland. I really like him on golf courses where there's more thicker rough around the greens, as we saw at Oak Hill. Um. I don't know how much I love the Western New York to Colonial back now up to Ohio. If you're in contention for both of those and he kind of sneak, I'm recording this on Saturday afternoon. He kind of snuck up the leaderboard this morning. Um, I would have liked it better if this applies to Scotty too. Uh, Scotty was six, by the way. Did I say that? Can't lay five, Scotty six, Hovland seven. Um, I like Scotty and Hovland's chances better if they kind of fade from relevance a little bit at Colonial. 
on Sunday. It's just a lot of a lot of consequential golf moments for these guys over a 10-day period. Uh, eight is what I would say the most disappointing. I don't even think it's a hot take. I think anyone would agree. Got to be the most disappointing elite player. Yes, I still believe he's an elite player, but I'm open to hearing arguments for the contrary. Is there still a really good golf course for Justin Thomas? It's just... This is a number play for me that I'm going to be monitoring. I, I, I'm not crossing the guy off because the way that he's playing compared to the way that Rom, Scheffler, gosh, even, you know, Hovland, Cantlay, even Rory and Xander who have it won this year. I mean, Rory and Xander are having so much better seasons than Justin Thomas. Um, so if JT is in the 30 zone, which I think he should be, that is an interesting one for me. I'm not going to cross him off. Sung J9, uh, that's another fascinating one coming off a pretty disappointing performance at Colonial. Hatton, 10, who I really like and I think is really close to a win. Shane Lowry, 11, who I love and I think is potentially a lock to be on my betting card. 12, Jason Day. 13, Hideki, who I will talk about. 14, Jordan Spieth, who, again, I think there's a a, a potentially interesting opportunity with Jordan Spieth this week from a DraftKings standpoint. He's actually been real without winning, really, really good at Muirfield Village. 15, Corey Connors. I love Corey Connors at Muirfield Village. Do I think Corey Connors is going to win twice in six starts? I do not. But I think that Muirfield Village is actually a way better golf course for Corey Connors than Oak Hill was. Uh, 16, Gary Woodland. I like Gary a lot coming off, letting a lot of people down at Oak Hill. 17, Recky, who's been really good here before. Uh, 18, Tom Kim, who I really love as a DraftKings play. Big fan of Tom Kim this week. He's not going to make the, you know, the four guys that I, that I really go in depth with, but uh, I'm playing Tom Kim this week. I really, you know, he is a really accurate driver of the ball and a great long iron player. And despite the results not being what people thought they were, you guys just overrated him. Um, he got two wins at dog shit events pretty early on. And, you know, you guys were putting him in the Hovland category. He's that's not him. He's an $8,000 golfer. Um, he'll probably be in the high sevens this week coming off a miscut at the PGA and that's exactly where he should be. Um, and I think he's really dangerous on this golf course. Same with Siwoo Kim, who's 19. And then I think it's another fairly intriguing bounce back spot for Wyndham Clark, who's 20 after, you know, being what I thought was, you know, maybe one of the worst DraftKings plays in, in history at the PGA Championship coming off that win at Quail Hollow. Uh, but the guy that I actually think is going to win this golf tournament. Um, I could say Xander because this is the most interest 
that I've had in Xander all season. I, you know, I haven't really bet Xander all year. Um, and I honestly do not have a good history with when I'm all in on Xander from a confidence level. This is probably the most confident I've been that Xander is going to win a golf tournament um, all year. Uh, he is going to most likely be a bet for me unless he's like, you know, I he, Xander's got with the way that Cantlay and uh, Rom and Scheffler and Rory and Hovland are playing. You know, Xander's got to be at minimum 1820. He's got to be. That was gross what started to happen to him at the PGA. Uh, but the guy that, in terms of a bet, that I like more, that I like even more than Xander, that I think is going to win this golf tournament, Hideki. Hideki's going to win the Memorial. Um, he's been really good here. He's almost has a 50% top 15 rate am- amongst nine appearances. He's won here. In 2014, he's coming off a 29th at the PGA, which is right where I want him, right? He's not going to, you know, Hideki's still going to be at a pretty decent number, you know, probably, probably 40 to one, 45 to one, um, gain two off the tee four on approach lost 5.7 putting, uh, and he has now, he is starting to turn back into a top five or six iron player in the world. He's gained over 2.5 on approach in four straight starts. Um, just like a really quietly good season. Six top 25 finishes, two top 10s. Not a ton of like super high-end finishes, but he's kind of just been circling it. Um one of the best long iron players in this field. He's still got one of the best short games in this field. Top 20 bunker player in this field. Top 15 in par five scoring. Fourth in this field on long and difficult golf courses. The only guys that have been better than him on long. And this golf course is going to play tough now with the, you know, with all Jack's done. The only guys that have gained more strokes on long and difficult golf courses over the last five years, Rory, Xander, Hovland. Hideki's fourth. Rahm is fifth. Scheffler's sixth. And Hideki's the only one of those six that's going to be above 30 to one. I mean, Hideki might be 40 or five. What, what was Hideki at the PGA Championship? He got up to 60, right? Probably. Um, And I was very heavy on him and you know you take a 29th i guess kind of 8.6k it's not great it's not killing you either um but you know there he's won the masters you got that connection um top 35 at valhalla in 2014 obviously he's got tremendous success on this golf course i just think it's going to be like a really fair number um, we love him on bent grass too. It's going to be a really, really fair number. Uh, and I think he's, I think this is an incredible, incredible golf course for him. He keeps the ball in play off the tee, elite long iron player, elite short game, elite bunker player, elite on these types of golf courses, you know, bent grass, this type of agronomy, 
par five scoring, all of that. Augusta, Valhalla, Firestone, all the you know wins here. This is a Hideki spot. Uh, okay, the next guy, and I was really high on him at the PGA Championship. Talked about him as one of my four or five guys that I, you know, honed in on at the PGA Championship. Not a scenario where Shane Lowry isn't on my betting card this week. He's got, he finished sixth here in 2021. Uh, He's gained strokes ball striking at this court in his course in his five most recent appearances. He's coming off a 12th at the PGA where he gained 3.7 off the tee, 5.5 on approach, um, slight gainer around the green and putting, which we will take um, because the putter has been his biggest problem all season. So it was really nice, actually, to see him be a slight gainer with the putter. But Lowry is hitting the ball incredibly, incredibly well right now. He's gained off the tee in four straight starts, gained on approach in six straight starts, you know, gained strokes putting for just the third time all season, but at least it's improving. Um, And I I really just think he's on the precipice of something special when you look at his ball striking. Uh, One of the best long iron players in the field. One of the most accurate drivers of the ball in the field. Great short game. Good bunker player. Um, Good on par fives. Good on long and difficult golf courses. Tons of success on bank grass, right? Has had a lot of success at Augusta before. Firestone in 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 the Midwest. Another bet, long bent grass course in the Midwest. Oakmont, too. Oakmont's more northeast than Midwest. But um, I just think that Lowry is in that zone where the number allows you to have some freedom on your betting card. Like there's no doubt in my mind that I will be able to fit Xander Lowry and Hideki together. And hopefully the fourth guy, if I could fit all four, I'd be very overjoyed, but I'm not sure that I'll be able to, I have a backup on him that, that I know will be at a bigger number. Uh, but the guy that I would, that I, I like a little bit less than Lowry and Hideki probably because he will be at a shorter betting number than Lowry and Hideki. Um, but Hatton is so damn close to a win. Hatton is going to win soon. I, I know that and can say that with confidence. 15th at the PGA, gained a stroke off the tee, 3.1 on approach. He gained over a stroke in all four major categories, 3.6 putting. We love to see that. Those are the type of things that you want to see when a player's firing on all four cylinders. That's usually the type of golf that you see preceding a win. Um, And it's just another really strong performance from Hatton, who's now gained over four strokes ball striking in three straight starts. He's gained ball striking every single start this season. He's gained over a stroke putting in four straight starts. I have far more confidence right now in Hatton's ability to make enough putts to win a golf tournament than in fairness, the two previous guys I mentioned, um, great driver of the golf ball this season. His off the tee has really emerged 10th and good drive percentage keeps the ball in play off the tee. 
doesn't make big mistakes, still a really good long iron player, great short game, top 30 in recent around the green play, top 30 in sand save percentage, top 30 in bent grass putting, top 30 in par 5 scoring, top 30 on long and difficult golf courses, just doing everything you like, playing weakness-free golf. He's a, you know, his statistical profile is a poor man's Patrick Cantlay at double the odds in terms of the consistency across the board from Hatton, where there's no major weaknesses in his game right now. He's driving the ball really straight. His long irons are good. His short game and bunker play is really good. He's putting really well. And I just think he's damn close. Damn close to a win. So if I can fit those four guys of Xander, Hatton, Lowry, Hideki, that's it for me. Um, the final guy that I'll mention, if I don't think that I can fit Hatton, uh, Adam Scott has got one more in him, I think. You know, his last big win was Riviera, I think, right before COVID. I, I... If if Scott's going to win one more, I, I think it's at a tournament like this. I don't think it's going to be another major. I'm done betting him at the majors. But I do absolutely think that Scott can pick off a tournament like this still. And he'll be at a fairly big number, despite similar to, you know, one thing that all four of these guys have in common is, you know, none of them finished top 10 at the PGA Championship or even contended remotely. All of them hit the ball immaculately at Oak Hill. And Scott finished 29th at Oak Hill, gained 3.3 off the tee, 3.1 on approach, lost 1.5 around the green, lost 0.1 putting. So the approach play and the off the tee play trending in the right direction. He's now three top 30 finishes in a row. Uh, He's not missed a cut all season. Um, and he's gained over a stroke off the tee in five straight starts. So he's still driving the ball really, really well. The short game's been good for him. His bunker play's been good. His bent grass putting's been good. Takes advantage of par fives, right? He's won at Augusta. You've got that connection too. Even a 15th at Valhalla. And... He's been, you know, he's got two top fives here as well. Runner up in 2019. He's had some, Adam Scott has had some absolutely unbelievable ball striking performances at Muirfield Village. You know, he's gained over 10 strokes ball striking on three separate occasions at this golf course. So those are five guys I love. I think at least, I think Scott, Hideki, and maybe Lowry Will I don't think Xander and Hatton will come in under-owned, but I think there's a decent chance that Hideki, probably Adam Scott, and maybe Shane Lowry um, end up being in that DraftKings zone that I really like. Uh, I have some more pivots that I haven't, that I won't totally, totally go into. Like, I like JT this week as a, as a DraftKings play. Um, I really like Tom Kim this week as a DraftKings play. Uh, I really like Corey Connors this week. I don't know how popular, I don't think he's going to win, but I just, I think he's going to top 20. Um, 
So uh, we shall see. But that will do it for me. I feel like it gave a lot of good info in this one and still kept it under an hour. Um, always the goal in this podcast. So I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that this helped you out in some way, shape, or form. Get ready for your bets and, and DFS lineups for the Memorial. Really great tournament. I love this golf tournament. Um, I This golf course has really grown on me over the years. I really want to play this golf course. This is like probably if you're asking me to rank the top uh, golf events that I haven't been to that I would like to check out, I probably put Memorial at one and Sawgrass at two. I'm really interested to watch golf on this golf course and see if my theories about this golf course match up with what I see in person. Um, and you know, we got a good Memorial day weekend coming up. So, uh, that will do for me. I'll be back on this podcast feed on late on Monday night with my good buddy, Patrick McDonald of CBS sports to talk a lot more Memorial, maybe a little like we're already at the direct midway point, essentially between the PGA championship at the U S open So we might do kind of like a bird's eye view now that we're 10 days out and the dust has settled. What are some of the big takeaways from the PGA versus let's juxtapose that with what are the biggest stories as we get into, you know, the two weeks, the 10 days leading into the U.S. Open where I will have a ton of stuff. We will have Steve Bamford back doing an early betting preview. I'm going to have a long talk with Joseph LaMagna on Los Angeles Country Club. That is going to be an incredible podcast uh, that I'm very excited for as well. And we'll have the DraftKings stuff with Kobe. Um, just a ton of ton of great LACC stuff. I got lucky with the venues this year. I'll admit it. Really, really lucky with the venues. Two golf courses I know really well, have relationships to, you know, it's that's you look I look at the schedule it's just not the case in in a bunch of the years going forward um so I'm soaking this one in uh until then best of luck with uh the rest of your bets on Sunday at Colonial and we will see you next time cheers <laughs>